Only two things could get you through this, man. That's patience and persistence. Um, the, the genius thing that we did was we didn't give up. Checking in from the basement in five, four, three, two, one. What is up, everybody? I am back for another episode of Checking In From The Basement. It is Friday. I'm excited for this one. So I have a really good friend of mine on. Um, her name is Ebony. I'm not going to get too much into detail. I always like to let my guests just introduce themselves and um, tell you all a little bit about them. So before we get into the topic, Ebony, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for asking. Hi, everyone. Yay, I'm so excited that you're on. So, Ebony, um, just really quickly, like really briefly, we'll get into like the details, but really briefly, just let everybody know a little bit about yourself, like where you're from, what you do, and then we'll get into it. Well, um, my name is Ebony. I'm born and raised in Harvey, Illinois. Um, and when I say raised, I do mean that from zero to 18. Um, <laughs> I left home and attended college, came home with uh, a bachelor's degree in chemistry, I'm proud to say. And, you know, I've just been trying to figure out ways that I could use my craft and my skills within our community and in my own business. Um, I do own a makeup and skincare studio called Moby Beauty. It's located in Homewood, Illinois, and we're a growing business. We've been in business for two years. And we're looking forward to doing the Black Women's Expo. So definitely make sure you ladies and your families come on out and see me. Um, I'm going to be at booth 244. And that's kind of a little bit about what I do. Hey, so today we're going to talk about like women helping women. It's, I think more specifically like black women. Um, and I just couldn't think of a better person to have on. So let me just tell you a little bit about Ebony and uh, our, my history. I, Ebony and I met, has it been over, it's definitely been over a year, but we first met at the gym, like export. It was so random. We were complete strangers. I walked in, I'll never forget this. And you complimented me on my hair. It was like big and curly. Yeah, right. As always complimenting you on my head. I was like, Oh, that's, you know, that's nice. And then after my workout, I went into the bat. I went to the basketball court and she was there and we were the only two girls. And so naturally we just kind of like started conversing. And I remember right before the conversation was getting ready to end, she was like, Oh, I got to go. I got to go home and get my son and work on my business. And me at that point, like my antennas went up. I said, business, <laughs> what do you do? And um, she was like, you know, I'm a real estate investor. And the crazy thing about that moment was I was, that's when I was just starting to get into real estate. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do in real estate. I know, I knew that I didn't want to be a realtor. I had already taken a real estate course and I'm like, I don't have the capital to start flipping right away. I was in the process of fixing my credit. And really, I was just confused as to what I would be doing next. And then here she comes and she's a real estate investor and she is the person who introduced me to wholesaling. And the rest literally is like history. But I think the thing with Ebony was that Ebony was like so open and free with her information. She was like, hey, yeah, let's exchange numbers. I'm actually going to see a home. You can come. You can shadow me. We sat down for, uh, what was it, lunch. She gave me all the documents, like everything. And I just remember being so confused. I'm not going to lie to you, Ebony. I was just like, why is she being so nice? <laughs> and that was like the craziest thing for me because it's sad that we have to question when another woman is being nice. But I questioned that. Like, tell me, like, why are you being so nice? I never asked you that. No, no, I get it. You know, navigating this world and seeing both sides when you, you know, have own your own business and then you also have worked in corporate America, you know, you get to see how you want to be treated and how others should be treated, especially in a professional environment. Um, I'm a firm believer that, you know, no one has all the answers. So, right. you know, whatever that I know or whatever knowledge I've accumulated, you know, I'm always open it open to sharing it with someone if it's going to help better them or inspire them or, or get them to the next level where they can um, 
you know, have that great, you know, payday or that great success or reach that milestone. Um, and then, I, like I said, I'm a firm believer that, you know, you should treat others like you want to be treated. So, so I want people to treat me that way. I hope that if I meet my mentor, someone who has key points to life or to business, that they can share those things with me. So, you know, I'm kind of like paying it forward, knowing that God's going to bless me in the end. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I, I feel like I've seen somewhere and just through my experience, like I've learned and I've, I'm realizing like the real successful people, like the people who are really successful in life, they don't have a problem with sharing information. Like it's the, it's the posers. It's the people who want you to feel like they're successful or like they have it all. Um, because I think real successful people understand that it's enough for every for it for for it to go around for everybody, you know. And then those people who are like posing, like they have, they still have this crabs at the bottom of the barrel mentality. Right, and they're greedy because what's at the bottom of the barrel is not as viable, you know. Right. So they become greedy, not knowing that what they're what they're going after is not even, you know, the tip of the iceberg. So, you know, that says a lot about the people that you deal with and the character that they have. That's why I try to make it a point, like you said, to always always be polite and always share. Um, you never know someone else's story. You never know, you know, how they're going to impact your life. So, you know, I'm a firm believer that I just want to be someone who's um, not only knowledgeable in multiple fields, but doesn't have a problem with sharing it and helping my fellow sisters, you know, level up and become successful entrepreneurs in the same game. Yeah. I mean, I personally, I really appreciate it. Like from our encounter at the gym, like we became really good friends and you really put me on the path that I'm on now. And you, you, you presented me with the opportunity that I needed to get a foot in, you know, in the real estate world. And so for that, like, I'm always, I'm forever indebted, right? I really do appreciate that. I do. I really appreciate that. Like, you really came at the right time out of nowhere. I go to the gym all the time. I don't even think I've seen you there since. <laughs> I think I think you didn't put the gym down. I don't even think you work, work out no more. I try to get in at home, but that don't even happen. So I pray to God that I keep looking okay every day I wake up. Okay. And so um, through our friendship and through me just seeing how you move, like you are really a go-getter. So before we get to the Moby Lash line, I want to talk about the real estate because you mentioned that you you went to school to become a chemist. So how did the real estate thing even happen for you? Well, um, <laughs> yeah, like you said, I am traditionally a trained chemist. I worked in corporate America as a chemist. I formulated cosmetic products. I formulated uh, uh, medicinal medicines, blood therapies, uh, flu vaccines, and all of that. But I just wasn't happy with what I was doing in that, I won't say in that sector, but for the company that I worked for. Um, so that brought me to a venture of just wanting to be my own boss. And then um, out of nowhere, okay, let's say I got pregnant and I was pregnant with my son and, and I was just thinking about how life was going to be once I had my son, how I didn't want to be a slave to anyone's time clock, how I wanted to spend as much time with my son until the point I was ready to put him in daycare. So I said, well, if you're going to do that, you have to become an entrepreneur and you have to do it fast. And it just so happened that my son's father had um, a really good friend who was in the real estate, and he was so good that he was, like, charging, like, $3,000 for, like, this real estate course, and I just so happened to kind of, like, be eavesdropping during the course time, so I learned all the information, so it was kind of like we got a two-for-one. So by me learning the information, I did a lot of research. Um, at the time, I was working an overnight uh, position while I was pregnant. And I just, you know, did a whole lot of research. I talked to my mom. I prayed about it. And she actually introduced me to a man named Whitney Young, mm -hmm. who's actually the grandson of the great Whitney Young, which is of Whitney Young High School. Dope. And he's a real estate investor. And he took me under his wing and basically showed me all the ropes, showed me how to uh, find the investor, showed me how to find the properties, showed me how to navigate the contracts, showed me how to interact with the attorneys and realtors if I, if I had to. Um, he showed me how to find the auctions. 
which is another source where we find properties and things like that. So he really showed me everything, and I was just so grateful to, to that so that when I branched out on my own, that's what kind of enabled me to take someone else under my wing and then pass down all the knowledge that he had given to me. Because for one, I knew that it worked because it worked for me and I was just so excited about it and I was able to do it as just one black woman. So imagine if, you know, multiple black women got on this facade of owning real estate and and creating generational wealth, you know, impactful things. So that's why I was really excited about sharing you know the real estate information that I've learned yeah that's so good and I know it's super inspirational too for um for young mothers who are looking for another avenue or another way especially when they may not feel like they or especially if they may not have the capital to you know flip fix and flip or whatever the case may be so that's definitely um inspirational I told y'all she is a go Get her. Okay, so I want to talk about your latest business venture because this, to me, I think is super dope. The fact that you're a chemist, okay, like a black chemist, black female chemist, like is blowing my mind. I love it. So let's talk about the newest venture. What is it, and how did you really? How did you get started with that? Okay, well, my newest venture is my um, beauty company. It's called Moby Beauty. Um, like I said earlier, we're located in Homewood and Homewood, that is our flagship location where we provide a lot of our services. Um, the way that Moby Beauty came about, um, my sister and I, we love to, you know, go out, hang out downtown and have a good time. And just like anybody else, you know, we never like to leave the house unless we're like on point from head to toe, like makeup, you know, outfit, shoes, you know, like any woman wants to be presentable. And, um, we are really, really big fans of eyelashes. And we I kept having this problem that every time I leave the house, I would, like, leave my lashes or leave the adhesive or, like, just be so rushed that I didn't really get to put the lashes on in a great, you know, manner or have it looking as, you know, presentable as I wanted. So I kept telling my sister, like, you know, we need to create something that will uh, alleviate all this stress when it comes to lashes, you know, something that... You know, you got everything that you need to um, to apply your lashes. Mm-hmm. And one night, I just kind of got to thinking, and I made a prototype out of biz out of business cards and like little plastic um, lash uh, lash um, I guess film that mm-hmm. the lashes come on. Mm-hmm. And when I made the prototype, that's when I really, really knew that it was possible because I can see it in my hand, I can hold it, and it was pretty functional. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you know, I did a little bit more research, you know, and all along just convincing myself that it could actually work, you know. Um, I did a little research. I had a logo made, and I, you know, every, each step kind of convinced me a little bit more that it was possible. So out of that came the Mobilash case, which is a case that we developed um, with some partners, um, a cosmetic packaging company, Um It has, it's pretty much an all-in-one case. It comes with mink lashes, adhesive, tweezers, um, a cosmetic mirror, and it has a magnetic close so that, you know, none of the things will fall out. So that was our first product from Moby Beauty, but that got me to thinking further. Well, if I can provide this solution to makeup junkies or eyelash junkies, then why can't I provide more solutions? Mm -hmm. Um, Then later on in the business, I became a trained microblading artist. Um, and that is probably one of our most popular services. It's one of us, one of the services where we can reconstruct your eyebrow and give you perfect dynamic brows. We call it the wake up and go attitude because you, (laughs) (laughs) you literally don't have to draw your brows on They're They're waterproof. They're sweat proof. Um, they're stay proof. You don't have to worry about it. Um, it's a very enjoyable thing. Um, and then from that, we created our skincare line. So our skincare line is 100% pure, um, non-chemical um, system. And basically, I developed it in my lab in South Holland. It's a three-step process. Um, we're looking forward to coming out with more systems. And we're looking forward to having all of these products at the Black Women's Expo. Um, the skincare system is our newest system. So this is going to be like the first big rollout for the skincare system. 
That's so dope. And so I, I believe in like the power of speaking things into existence. So if you could work with any company or anybody right now or partner with them, who would it be like? Who is like, what is like your dream opportunity as it relates to this brand? That's a good question. I definitely want to work with someone who has, you know, a dope platform, who uses their platform in positive ways. I would say someone like Iman. Hmm. Okay. Um, from Iman Cosmetics. Now, if I had to pick, like, someone like a brand ambassador or someone like that, I would say someone like Issa Rae or um, even Lala. I love Lala. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You do. <laughs> so, yeah, that would probably be, like, my dream come true for the business. Um, do you all generally have... Um... Oh, Lord, interns or anything like that? Well, we actually are seeking interns, now that you uh, say that. Um, we wanted to get an intern makeup artist, someone that um, wouldn't mind being in the mentee role, even if they have, you know, beginner's exper experience, That that's totally fine. And we're also looking for someone who's more of a, a creative director mm -hmm. uh, who can take our visions and pretty much create them because we are basically going to be rolling out billboard projects over the summer. Mm -hmm. uh, we need someone who can control that um, and control the analytics side of our marketing team. So um, those are two internship positions that I know for sure that we're looking for. And who knows, you may have more as the summer rolls out. Okay. How can they, uh, I'll also drop it in the notes, but how can they reach out to you? What's that process going to look like? Sure. Um, you can, on Instagram, we're at Moby underscore beauty. That's M-O-B-I underscore beauty. And if you want to email us, you can email us at MobyBeautyBrand at gmail.com. And then I'll be sure to um, drop that in the notes. That way they can reach out to you. Um, okay, cool. So we have the Black Women's Expo coming up. And before we talk about that, let's talk about black women helping each other. Like, how do you feel about that? And then, you know, we're in Chicago and we always hear a lot of people say that people don't support people in Chicago. And, and I'm wondering if it's worse, you know, when we get to the, like the black woman or the black, uh, black women in general, like, what is your take on that? What has been your experience? Well, one thing I will say is, you know, being a black woman, we're skeptical. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. We're skeptical about our space. We're skeptical about sharing our time, mm -hmm. you know, and our thoughts with other people. That's one thing that we've just been kind of taught to do. Mm -hmm. um, in my experience, I have had some dif difficulty, you know, reaching out to people or just even getting people to um, understand what it is I do um, in this industry. Now, one thing about me is I'm learning that you can't take everything personal. Right. Um, everybody's got their own thing going on. So I kind of just put my head down, focus on what I can change and the things that I can do, mm -hmm. um, and, and just place my all of my focus and attention on, on those areas. One thing about, you know, my my friends and the company that I keep, uh, Wanaki included, I would say is that we, we look out for one another and we... You know, we have an opportunity that we think is good for one another. We definitely pass it along. We're always on each other's tongues, so to speak. So yeah. I, I thank God for that for that support, you know, in such a, a difficult, you know, world and space. Um, now, I, I wish there was more, you know, women, black women helping women and black women banding together and creating unity and creating, you know, um, wealth and a commodity in in the industry um i think that we're going to get there mm -hmm. it's just more effort on our part yeah in an ideal world like or not an ideal what do you think the steps are to getting there like do we need more women out in front like creating like social groups like how does that how do we even begin to get there it does it just start with like you and your circle and you know just leading by example like how did what's what is the process or the beginnings of that process look like you think i think that leadership is very very strong in our community um for one and first and foremost 
I think that if the leaders, the 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 female leaders in our in our industry and in our communities could band together, um, you know, that shows the masses that it's possible to support one another and not lose anything. Yeah. You know, and but but to gain, you know, gain knowledge, gain relationships, you know, um, and gain like positive energy from being around the right people. Um, so I say first things first, it starts with the leaders in, in our in our industries, the the owner of Kaleidoscope Hair, someone like her, you know, mm-hmm. people who are who have mass followings and people really believe in because they've seen them come up through the struggle. Mm-hmm. I think that is first and foremost um something that needs to happen. And if and in my opinion, I would like to see more festivals and more conferences and more just experiences of us loving on one another and and not allowing hate or jealousy to 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 grow. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. I I feel like I have a few spaces like with um, the Fuse Her Fly group that I work with. Um, I feel like that's a space. I feel like it's just so far and few in between. I think the idea of women working together or women helping women is more, is still more of like a trend, right? It still sounds good to say that you're doing and then you get around certain circles and certain groups and it's like wait a minute this is not this is not feel like how I I thought it would feel you know and so I agree with you in terms of like the leaders in our communities or people who are well respected um who have large followings like leading really leading by example Um, right and it's funny that you say that because I've been through an experience like that where um, I'm not going to say the name, of right, the person, right. but, um, you know, I attempted to, uh, join, let's say join a social group and it was really, really difficult. Um, I think I paid for like a membership for like two years and I only went to like one event, but here I was still paying for something that wasn't as beneficial to me as I thought it was going to be. And I think it was just because they didn't know me and maybe didn't give me a chance to introduce myself or a chance for them to get to know me. Um, so yeah, that does happen sometimes. And it's very unfortunate because it could put a, a, a bad taste in your mouth about, you know, female social groups mm-hmm. and empowerment. Yeah. And that's the thing. And then they're charging you, you know, an arm and a leg just to not have any intentions of following through with what they said they would follow through with. I think, you know, that's a really good point. Like it puts a bad taste in your mouth. And now that you're scarred, you move, you move accordingly. So now the next opportunity you have to maybe collab with a, a dope woman, someone who really does have um, pure intentions, like you, you kind of like self-sabotage a bit. I do think that that's something that we have to, uh, we got to start working out because I'm telling you when, when dope women connect, like so many dope things happen. Just because right. the energy is something that you really can't, you can't make up. Like, you know, you, and, and, and you can't fake it. It's just, it's, it's unexplainable. I believe. Um, I think that's why our connection was so divine. Like you were just so pure, like your intentions were so pure. And I'm telling y'all, like, I was so put off by it at first. I'm thinking like, what does this girl want? Like, <laughs> what does she want? Like, what do you want from me? Like, it was that crazy. Right. Like it was that crazy. I felt like you were going to invoice me at the end of it all, but <laughs> it turned out to be a really, really great thing. And I just wish that it could happen more often than not. Um, so, okay, let's get to the Black Women's Expo. I feel like you all did this last year, right? And so is this like your second year? This is my second year, uh, bigger and better this year. So uh, last year was our first time. Last year we actually did three expos, which was a lot of work. Yeah. Um, this year we'll only be doing two of them. Um, just because it does take a lot of work and a lot of energy over like two or three days. Um, but we've gotten a bigger booth this year we're going to have a dj um we're going to have actually um be raffling off tickets for the expo as well um in about a week we're going to raffle off two tickets on our instagram um so make sure you guys stay tuned for that and the contest rules um this year also an exciting feature for us is that we're going to be a featured business during the black women's expo 
being that this is the 25th anniversary and the Black Women's Expo has partnered with BET, they're going to have a new segment called um, the Beauty Bar, uh, Beauty Pamper Bar, I'm sorry. Um, and at this Beauty Pamper Bar, you'll be able to experience different, um, um, I guess, beauty techniques. So facials, you'll be able to get your eyelashes done. You'll be able to um, probably get uh, manicures as well as I know they did that last year. Um, so we're excited to be featured at the Beauty Pamper Her Bar. Um, so we're going to be showing you guys how to map eyebrows um, and how to do a proper facial at home. So we're really, really, really excited about that coming up. That is exciting, especially considering that this is like just your second time being a part of the whole thing. I think that's dope. So I've I've been on this kick. So lately I've been um, really talking about the difference between like reflecting and regretting. You know, and I, and I find that on our journeys, especially in the beginning, we make so many mistakes and then down the line, we look back in like a regretful manner. And I don't think that you should ever regret anything that you've done. I think that you should always learn from it. And so since this is your second go around, reflecting back on the first time, what do you, what do you say you would do differently? Or what is one thing that you wish you would have done differently that you're applying this time around? Um... Well, I think last time around, I was my I was more impatient, mm. uh, and that really kind of cost me on my um, kind of my brand development mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> because I was rushing into things and I really didn't know what I thought I knew. Now I always I, say you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now that I've had this year to to actually expound and. Um, actually get my client base up and open the studio, I have more insight about, you know, client engagement and, and customer interaction and what my clients and target audience want to see from me. Um, and I've also had to figure out different ways on how to stand out from other exhibitors and things mm -hmm. like that. So that's kind of where my focus has, has been. Um, of course, I'm focusing on other other little things, you know, like marketing and packaging and things like that. That's another thing. Like, you know, you never really know what you're getting into until you like sit there and you're looking at your product like, OK, I don't have this, this and that. Right. OK, now, you know, what else does it need? So, you know, I've I've gotten into the packaging and uh, although I've had a little bit of history in, in, in packaging, um, but it's a really like intense game and and i'm pretty much doing this on my own 80 percent. you know what i mean yeah so anything i have to learn and master um and within a certain amount of time to ensure that my brand uh, you know is it was is withstanding at the end of the day you know i just learned how to install a sink the other day that's crazy right that's insane but it's insane but it's not because you are also in real estate so it's like they kind of go that's hand in hand and I, and I told my um, my contractor who was doing it for me, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to call you the next time. <laughs> <laughs> I said, don't think I'll pay you $60 next time. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so you, you, you find yourself learning things and stepping outside of your comfort zone, you know, when you're trying to improve. And that's kind of, you know, where I wake up every day, just, you know, doing doing something every day that makes Moby better. Yeah. And makes better at the same time so you know i've been looking at backdrops and you know i've been designing my own uh marketing material which i've never really done but now i've i've gotten to the point where i've mastered the, the software so i am able to you know put together uh marketing material really quick um I've, I've i've been able to design my own labels and things like that so it makes me proud now sitting here talking about it but i know the journey is not even over it's not even half yeah over, you know? It's just the small wins. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, it, it is a journey when they say it's definitely a journey and it definitely does not stop. I love that. And I think one of the key things you said was just patience. And I think that the crazy thing is you don't even realize how expensive or how much being impatient really can cost you until no. you experience like the result of that. You know what I'm saying? Or the consequence of that. And so, again, that just goes back to the whole thing of, like, being reflective, like, reflecting, not regretting, because if you would have never been impatient, then you would not have learned this lesson so soon, right? But, you know, because you reflected on it, you know how not to be 
move you where you knew how not to move uh going forward so i think that's a gem like that's super key for anybody out there listening like be patient be patient with the process the thing about patience is, you know, maybe 15 years ago, 20 years ago, before we really like were ingrained in social media and Facebook and Instagram, you know, mm. you, there was never a way for you to compare yourself to the next man on the other side of the world. But mm. now there is a, a way for you to compare yourself. So that weighs in on, on on the level of patience that we have with ourselves because we're looking at someone else and saying, okay, but they have this on, and they're doing this. That's so true. And, and and now it's driving your anxiety up and 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 your patience is costing you and that and that's kind of what what I went through and to the point where I had to look at myself and reflect and say okay you need to calm down you need to do things in your own terms you know within your own time because nobody is is you nobody is the, is the ebony that God created to be in you so yeah. you have to stop looking at everything else and just and just zero in and focus on what it is that I wanted to accomplish. And I think that that alone, that mentality, that mindset alone has catapulted me further than I probably ever would be if I, let's say, didn't take this year to get prepared. Right. Yeah, I 100% like love what you said about social media because that is so real. And And the crazy thing is we look at where people are now And of course, most people only broadcast their wins or their accomplishments, but we look at that and we don't even stop to think for two seconds, like, but what did that cost them? You know what I'm saying? Like, what mistakes did they make or how long have they been working on this before they decided to share it with the world with social media? Like, what work, what sacrifice, like, what went into them being where they are now? And I think that's something that we have to stop doing. We have to stop comparing ourselves to people who probably have been grinding for like 10 years more than us. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's not the part that social media shows. We don't get to see that part, but we got to stop and think about that. Like the life that they have now, what did it, what did it cost them? And are, you know, would you be willing to, um, to sacrifice what they had to sacrifice to get there? Cause so many times we find ourselves wishing that we had this or we had that life or that we were where they were. But are we even ready to make the sacrifices that were that they had to make to get to that point? So right. I, I think that's a really huge point with social media. And at this point, it's like you really just have to reprogram your mind because social media isn't going anywhere. Like the the temptations and all in the compare, like none of that is going anywhere. So you have to make sure that you're doing the work on it in yourself so that when you come up against that, it's not something that's like, it's not something that can cost you in your own business and on your own journey. You really do have to be patient with yourself and your journey. Exactly. Yeah, that that is definitely key and spot on for sure. Yeah, you definitely have to be. Okay, so I just have a few more questions. So my first question is, I always like to ask people, um, what is one thing that, knowing what you know now, what is one thing that you would tell your younger self? college ain't for everybody uh, <laughs> that is so funny wait before i ask you to ex- to um to explain that i was just saying to myself like if i knew what i knew now i probably would have dropped out of college like i would have been on my kanye college dropout ish yeah, like, okay? <laughs> like what what brought you to that point you know okay so i graduated with my first degree in 2010. I graduated with my master's in 2012. Um, I began college in 2005. So that's what, seven years of my life that I was dedicated to the whole system of being in college. Mm -hmm. Never wanting to give up, always wanting to get the best grades Mm -hmm. and just trying to be the best that I could be in in a college setting. And not to take anything away from anyone who's experienced it and loved it, um, because I did have some have some very great opportunities while I was away at school in Michigan. But knowing what I know now, I sacrificed a lot of time mm. working someone else's system when I could have been putting that time into my own system and my own uh, plan for generational wealth. Yeah. When I was in college, I was pretty much on someone else's plan. Yeah. The entire time that I was there. Even though it was you know, my choice to be in school, you know, I was following the rules of an institution that um, 
wasn't going to guarantee me happiness and wealth once I came out. Yeah. Doesn't even like try to prepare you for wealth or anything. (laughs) And I found out the hard way because when I first graduated, like you say, it's one of those things. Do you reflect or do you regret? Yeah. For a long time, I regretted it. But now that I'm older and, and, and I, I, I feel like I have more control over my destiny. I reflect on it. Yeah. Because when I first graduated with my chemistry degree, I probably should have left school then and started working in the field that I wanted to be in. Yeah. But not doing that and still chasing the thirst for knowledge and education, I delayed my interest into the workforce. So by the time I was ready to get into the workforce, it was difficult because at that point in time, a degree didn't mean what it meant when I first started school. Mm, yeah. yeah. So they were like, okay, we see you have these degrees, but where's your experience? Everything yeah. is about experience, what you can do physically, what we can see you do. Yeah. Uh, so it, it wasn't about, oh, how much of that book do you know? Or how many of these formulas can you regurgitate? It wasn't about that anymore. And that's what college was. So it was a, it was, it was a quick adaption for me. A lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. Um, I moved home. I had to live with my dad. So that's why I say college isn't for everyone. And, you know, even though I, I had a lot of scholarships when I went to college, you know, student loans is no joke. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, it's just another situation to put yourself in when you really, really don't have to. It's just another way to put the, put the government in your pocket when you really, really don't have to if you really just apply yourself. Yeah. And with the way, the way that things are working in the world now, you know, almost everything you can learn in college, you can learn online, like. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So you really got to think about that because the information that they used to charge us $120,000 for, uh, for four years, is, is, is almost already at our fingertips. You just have to know how to find it. Yeah, I totally so, agree. Yeah, you know, so if I would have known that, you know, prior to spending seven years and probably... Two hundred thousand dollars, and you know, for a bachelor's and a master's degree, you know, I think I probably would have taken the latter and still been at this point of building my brand and building my my beauty company and things like that. So it's just it's just one of those things that you kind of reflect on. Yeah, yeah, and you learn, and then you're a mother, so I think that the direction that your son takes, maybe you'll be more open to. The option of, okay, if you want to go to college, you can do that. If you decide not to go to college, what's the plan? And I can support that. I think that's where that, you know, where that experience could be helpful too, because I don't feel like our parents were, were that open, <laughs> at least, you know, mine, to the idea of not going to college, because that was just the next step after high school. That's just what you were supposed to do. So I think that experience that you had makes you more open-minded as it relates to, you know, how you raised your son and the things that you put on him um, when he gets to that point in his life. I think that's a really good point. What I was going to ask you next was what, what is something that you wish someone would have told you? And I'm going to assume that it's probably close to that. Uh, But I think what I'm learning too now, the more I pay attention to like um, the entrepreneurs that pop up, um, you know, social media has everybody wanting to be an entrepreneur. And while I am in full support, I think that a lot of the times the reasoning behind it is just not all the way solid. And so I'm like really, really big on what is your why? Like, why did you get started? Because what I'm finding is most people now are getting started because the lifestyle is, is attractive to them. And that's what they want. Not really understanding that before you get to that point, you spend a lot of money and you take a lot of L's and you may spend the first couple of years in the red, you know, who knows? And if you only jumped into business for money, then you quit because you don't all, not all of the time. You don't always start out making a lot of money. A lot of the times you start out putting out more than you get back. So what is your why? Like why entrepreneurship? Why being, uh, you know, your own boss, like why this journey? What, and you know, what keeps you going when it gets tough? Well, for one thing, you know, I, I truly believe in happiness and attaining happiness. Yeah. I mean, if we have to be on this credit world, why can't we be happy majority of the time, right? Right. So for me, <clears throat> I look back on my early years of being in college and trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my chemistry degree. And I always go back to 
when I had a discussion with my mother about creating my own cosmetic line and being able to service, you know, other black women um, in the community. So my why goes back to that. My aim is just specifically to create a place of comfort for black women where we can look in the mirror and not be ashamed, not be jealous, um, not be scrutinized. Um, and that's whether we're, we're all natural or made up. You know, that's why I, I promote and I preach the wake up and go attitude because, you know, I don't wake up every day and put on makeup, although I'm in the beauty industry. Right. And I think that's okay. And I think that's okay. That doesn't make me less or more of a woman than the woman that got up and went and put on Fenty Beauty and MAC lipstick. Yeah. Um, so I'm all about creating that comfort, that comfort place for black women where they can let their hair down, be themselves and, and, and talk about anything that, um, is affecting them or impacting them, whether it's positive or negative. And and that goes to service. Um, I've always been the type of person who wanted to service others. Um, when I think back on my many jobs since I was 15 years old, they've all they've all always been in this in some type of service, customer service industry, helping people, something of that matter. So I think that I feel good about myself when I'm when I'm able to help people. And that's in any matter. That could be holding the door for for an elderly woman, yeah. or I, when I have like clients who have alopecia and they don't have, you know, they suffer from hair loss, yeah. and I'm able to give them back, you know, you know, a piece of humanity that they were missing, you know, by, by giving them their brows back. Yeah. Um, and then just being able to have that that freedom to spend with my son, that financial freedom, you know, to say, okay, I want to take a vacation now. Yeah. You know. And yeah. not have to be asking for approval to take a vacation or be worried about the the money that I'm going to miss by taking a vacation. All those things to me scream happiness. Yeah. Uh, I've always said that I wanted to retire by the time I'm that I'm 45. And I think that'll be a good age because my son will be 15. He'll be in high school. Yeah. Uh, and I'll be, be able to spend a whole lot more time with him and, and, you know, help him enjoy sports and just enjoy those years of his life. Um, so that's my goal. Those, those are the things that really, really um, help me focus. And when I'm down and when I just like feel like, oh, my God, I'm having a bad day or a bad week, I just think about those specific things. And then I revert back into my mind and I just ask myself, okay, even though you're feeling like this, what can you do today that will help you get closer to those important things? Uh, and, and I just try to live life like that, you know, on a day to day basis, knowing that services, servicing others makes me happy and just doing what makes me happy. I love it. I think that service is so important. Honestly, nothing, you know, I work with youth and nothing makes me more happy um, than when I'm just with them and we're talking about life or maybe they have questions for me and, or, you know, when they when right. it's, you know, I just, I think I love being able to do things like that. Like, that's like one of my biggest goals. I just want to be able to give back to my community um, specifically because we definitely need it. But um, yeah, I love that. Here we go. This is my favorite thing. I just am a firm believer in legacy, right? And unfortunately, we're witnessing this, you know, now, like the importance of it now uh, in the wake of Nipsey Hussle's uh, murder. Um, one of the words that just keeps ringing in my head is legacy, 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 right? Because when our physical bodies leave, um, the only way to really, to, to really be present or to stay present or to, to stay relevant. So the only way to, you know, <laughs> to stay yeah. relevant is, uh, by the things that you, you've done, the things that you did before you left, right? So your mm -hmm. legacy. So just, I want you to fill in, uh, this statement for me. Uh, when I leave this earth, my legacy will be. Okay, so when I leave this earth, my legacy will be heartfelt. I'm not really worried about if my legacy is massive, if the whole world knows. Mm -hmm. I'm just more so worried about the fact that it exists, mm -hmm. you know, that my family, mm -hmm. uh, my, my grandchildren know that their ancestors uh, were hardworking women who owned businesses in, in, in the millennial years, who took care of their families and who pretty much withstood the, the test of time in this world. 
I'm most fearful about leaving this earth and not leaving anything for my offspring and their offspring. Right. Uh, I don't want my grandchildren to be born into the world as I was born into the world, meaning that, you know, I struggled a lot with with my family in my childhood and things like drugs really in fact impacted the older generations of my family to the point where none of them are living at this point. Right. Uh, I want to instill the value of life in my legacy. I would just say that my legacy will be everlasting, heartfelt, yeah. and present you know no I love that and I love how you said you know the world you may not impact the entire world I think it's important for people to understand that like where you are is important right and you may not impact the world but if you impact somebody else somebody's world you know what I'm saying and that somebody can be your kids I talk about this all the time like you you hit on generational wealth a little bit the idea that we don't have to keep starting over every generation like Why? that's that's solid <laughs> and that's important that's and we and that's missing in our communities i feel like for the most part every generation is starting from zero it's really hard to build and to catch up when and when you're starting over every single time and so i think that's really really key like some people will touch the masses and then some people will touch the people you know that they can physically reach out and feel like some people will change like the entire world and some people will change a few people's worlds. And I think that you one have to be comfortable with like your position and knowing and recognizing your purpose and then just killing that, you know, cause right. that's just right. as important. And you never really know like the, what the foundation you lay, you never really know what it'll grow into because no one really lives that long to really see, you know, the fruits of their labor of their labor yeah. really 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 pay out pl like play out like thinking about nipsey hustle god you know rest his soul but you know he just passed away this week and you already see what his death is doing around the world like yeah. I, I looked at a post where i think it was over 15 different gang um diversions all united in los angeles it never happened before in the history of yeah. los angeles so just imagine the impact in a full circle that everything can have maybe in a hundred years when we're all not here. Yeah. And I think that's key. And, and I think um, it's unfortunate that most of us will never really see like when you're a person of service and when you really set out to change a community or, or you know, things, sometimes it's just us planting seeds. And then I have to learn this when I was, when I first started working in education I used to take it so personally when I would talk to these girls and I felt like they just were not getting it. I wanted them to change then and there, not real. And then it wasn't until I spoke to one of my bosses and she was like, listen, your job is to plant seeds. You and you're planting and this work is hard because you're planting seeds that you may never see grow. Like you may never get to, to see the fruit of, of that. But your job is to plant seeds. And, and so I love, you know, that whole concept of you just, you know, planting seeds for your family and your legacy will live on through your family. And, and, and who knows um, who else? You know, you have to lay the blueprint for your, for your family. You have, to, you have to show them, you know, how, how to not, not only live, you know, but you have to show them how to maintain so that when, when it's their time to pass on, they're not only passing on what you left them, but they're passing on even more and more and more. And, and that's how the generations, you know, stay wealthy. And that's how the generations live better and better and better and yeah. better. Yeah, you know? I agree. So that, that, that is very, very, very key. And what an excellent question. <laughs> Um, before we wrap it up, I just want to definitely emphasize the Black Women's Expo. So for anybody in the Chicago area uh, next week, uh, Ebony, let, I'll be there. I'll definitely, um, I'll have a group of girls with me. So we'll definitely try to come your way and show some support. Um, but how can, where can people find you again? Um, yeah, so yeah. we're going to be at the Black Women's Expo. It's the 25th anniversary. Um, it's going to be at the McCormick Place, April 12th through the 14th. You can find me and Moby Beauty at, <clears throat> excuse me, at booth 244. Yes, that's 244 
We'll also be um, performing our beauty demos at the Beauty Pamper Her Bar. So make sure you stop by and get in my chair so I can pamper you. <laughs> um, we also have um, another event coming up outside of the Black Women's Expo. We have a uh, makeup tips and tax uh, strategy uh, seminar coming up on May 5th, the weekend before Mother's Day. Um, it's in Homewood, Illinois as well. <sighs> And then in September, we'll be in Atlanta for Black Women's Expo. So we've got a lot coming up. Um, but we really want to see you guys at the Black Women's Expo here in Chicago. Come out and support. Come out and have a good time. I believe they're going to have, Wanaki, they're going to have Eric Benet, girl. Really? I love me some Eric. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, Eric Benet. So he's going to be there. I think um, Leela James and a few other artists will be there. So come out, have a good time. Enjoy yourselves. Um, yeah, we can't wait to see everyone. I'm so excited for you. So I'll definitely be seeing you next week. Um, thank you for coming on today. Thank I, you so much for having me. It's been a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful experience. And I'm so excited about this. Yes. So with that being said, I am checking out from my granny's basement. Ebony, where are you checking out from? In my own basement. <laughs> <laughs> okay, girl. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be safe and we'll talk soon. Yes. Hey guys, really quickly before I get out of here, I just want to take this opportunity to pay my respects to the late Nipsey Hussle. Um, this is a really unfortunate time, I think, for the culture. But what I think, what I'm hoping is that this this time or this experience is showing us the importance of really walking in our purpose. Um, at the end of the day, I truly believe that we're all on borrowed time, right? We were all put here for a reason. We all have a very specific mission. I think the thing that we could um, rest peacefully in is that Nipsey came and he, he lived his mission. And now we're all seeing the impact of, of that after the fact, right? So I'm just praying that anybody who follows my podcast, me on social media, um, I just pray that you all figure out why you are here. What is it that you're supposed to do here? It's not just to make a lot of money. <laughs> There's a really specific divine purpose. And I pray that you all figure that out. Again, um, I mentioned the importance of legacy. What will people remember you for? can't just be for making a lot of money. It will be the impact that you had, whether in your community or, you know, the impact that you had when, when you entered a room, whatever that is. Um, I pray that you all find it, that you live it. And when your time is up, I pray that um, it can be recognized by the people that you touch and that you influence. So with that being said, I am checking out. Have a good one. Mm -hmm.